We recorded this conversation live, but sadly, due to a technical error, we are only able to publish the backup audio at a lower quality. We'll try to get better at the tech in the future. Maybe AI can help. Still, I hope you'll listen, share, give feedback, and most of all, enjoy. Hey, everybody. I'm Jonathan Reckman. Welcome to my podcast about life, language, money, meaning, and most of all, about the future of human and artificial intelligence. I'm speaking today with Ayesha Khanna, co-founder and CEO of Addo, an AI solutions firm, and a board member and strategic advisor on AI to corporations and governments around the world. Please listen, share, give feedback, and most of all, enjoy. This is like a crazy moment in AI. This is a crazy moment in human history. You have been watching this field develop for 20 years, and all of a sudden, where it, it feels like we're on that, that singularity curve where like things are accelerating really fast. The roller coaster has hit that turning point, and things are going to get wild from here. How are you feeling about this moment where we are? What is the excitement and what is the opportunity and what is the terror? Describe it in your personal feelings as well as, you know, maybe captures some of the moment for an audience. But I think it's a transformative moment for our species, really. It's kind of, if you think about it, it's kind of like the iPhone moment. Everything changed when we could get connected and do more work on the iPhone. And right now, with these large language models that we recognize as chat GPT. We have now a new operating system of communicating with each other, of working and collaborating, and for the first time, not just each other, but with a third party actively involved in that process, that is the AI agent. So two things will immediately happen. First, there will be explosion of productivity, because for the first time, we can do things, whether it's research or a PhD academic doing research, all the way to a marketing professional putting out marketing campaigns, all the way to an entrepreneur who wants plant-based recipes for hamburgers. And we already know that AI can generate more and more of those recipes. So that's one thing. On the other hand, it's always uncomfortable when that happens because there's so many of us doing jobs. And that's as relevant to white-collar knowledge workers as it is for factory workers. So what's changed now is that's inching up towards my job, towards your job. And that wasn't the case. We used to think about, whoa, this grunt work that a factory worker does in an assembly line, that's repeatable grunt work that's threatened by AI. But now AI can write novels, it can write songs, it can come up with speeches, it can do so much more. And we haven't even begun to combine it with healthcare, with robotics, with space excursions. And I think when that happens, we'll really see it's a huge game changer. Huge game changer. He's mentioned a thousand things that I want to dive into. But one of the things he said at the very beginning was that it is going to change the way we communicate with each other because we have this third party, this AI agent involved in in our relationships. Right. And so right now, I think most people use ChatGPT and it's like, me and the interface, and I feel like I'm communicating with ChatGPT, but I don't feel that it's it's intermediating my relationships with others, unless maybe I'm, I'm using it to type an email or something. How do you see it affecting the way that humans communicate with each other? Well, look, we can don't have to look far. We can look at Replica, which is an AI agent in an iPhone app that's been downloaded over 7 million times in the U.S., 
we can look at a lot of the AI girlfriends and boyfriends in China, for example. And what we see is that the communication right now between us and an AI agent, like the way you're using ChatGPT, is very kind of.、Um, The way you said it was very professional. It was very objective. I use it as an interface, but more and more people will use it for advice, for understanding, for empathy, for conversations. As a teacher, to practice being a teacher, and so we'll form this relationship with the AI. And now, instead of reaching out to you and saying, "Hey, John, do you want to come over for coffee?" I'm going to go to my research assistant, which I've already called Zoya, which is ChatGPT, my the one that I use, and say, "Hey, Zoya, can you chat with、uh, John's assistant and let me know if this works for him and what we should talk about in this interview?" So there is a lot more intermediation happening, and for you, this means that the two AIs are talking to each other and they are carrying out conversations that used to happen between us, and that has both benefits in terms of productivity. But I think the thing that I didn't talk about earlier was it has deep impact on sociology, our psychology, and our the power of these external agents to influence us. And those are the other things we need to take into account. So whenever we think of any technology, name any one. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of good that can come out of it, and there's always cons. And I can never look at one without the other, because otherwise you're either naively optimistic or depressingly pessimistic, and you kind of want to be. More and more agency about that. Do you think that there's still a space for that? I mean, I, I philosophically completely agree that like we want a middle ground. We want to to stay even keeled and balanced in the face of all this. It sure feels like the technology is driving us towards ex- more extreme outcomes. Like you know, the emergence of of this level of AI or, or in, in phases to come, AGI or, or super intelligence. It feels like it's probably either going to be great or terrible. Do you think that there is like is a middle ground outcome where we just like things go on and history is long behind us and long、uh, you know far ahead in front of us? Like, should we maintain the same philosophical temperament, or does it make sense to kind of like either go all in on this is the best, this is a utopian vision, or all in on like this is crazy? We have to put you know we have to put guardrails up now. Look, I think if you're not in your teens or your early twenties, being an extremist doesn't get you anywhere in life. So you realize pretty quickly that that you know your hormones are raging. That makes a lot of sense. But the moment you start working in the real world, you want to have balanced decisions. So yes, it can have an apocalyptic effect on us if just a few companies control this AI and then they're using it to manipulate us. On the other hand, it can have create. An age of abundance, as some people say, because all the poor people now will have access to low-cost healthcare and education, which will give them access to social mobility and digital work. But overcoming both these extreme situations is a middle ground where we say yes, we'll continue to work with it, but on the other hand, we will have governance on top. And governance is the people, policies, and systems. That lower risk associated with anything, and in this case, with technology. And risk management is the key because once you manage the downside, you can enjoy the benefits of the upside. So, how do you manage the downside? Well, in this, there are、uh, the regulatory oversight is very important. So, we see the European Union, I think, gives us a great idea for where we should go. Unfortunately, they're often vague, but their hearts in the right place. 
in terms of the guidelines they put. And eventually, the whole world, even if it complains about it, follows the European Union in some capacity or the other. Because they say that the human is in the middle of the experience. The human should have agency. The human's state of mind matters. And the human's well-being matters, as opposed to the corporate intentions of profiteering that tend to push AI towards us. Because remember, AI itself is not subconscious or conscious. And so then there are other things that happen, which is there is research that's helping us identify bias. In fact, my co-founder, his PhD is on bias in artificial intelligence. And we need to use those metrics. And in the long run, I think governments should be algorithmically able to inspect algorithms to make sure that they are in compliance. So the Greta Thunbergs of the world need to come out, the teenagers and the middle-aged people and the senior citizens, we all need to discuss how this will impact us. And we need to alter our education system to make sure that kids have a sort of relationship with technology that is that it gives them agency and power as opposed to making them afraid or passive in relation to the companies that own this AI. You talk about the process of governance and then a little bit of like auditing and tracking and assessing its implementation. The first thing I think is, you know who'd be really good at that? AI. Right? Like, who would be really good at taking like a million stakeholders' inputs and like running them through so, I mean, legislation, right? politics, is sort of like a black box. I mean, it's not hard to imagine that legislators, regulators, as you suggested, they're getting more savvy. They would use AI yes. to come up with you know, some of the governance and principles. Is there a paradox of using AI to regulate AI, or is that that's just as normal as, say, using computers to regulate the software industry? It's not. There's no paradox. It's only paradoxical if you just put your hands up and let AI do it. But then some, there's a human behind the AI, always, that's controlling or approving. That's why we always need a human in the loop for some critical functions that AI does. And so if you're just going to give up, become lazy about it, or become too naively trusting with AI, the companies that are creating the AI, then it's a mistake. But you know, cybersecurity, one of the biggest investments in AI is in the cybersecurity industry. And hackers use AI all the time. So really, you're fighting hacker AI with cybersecurity AI. You need it, otherwise you can't move as fast. However, the set of values that you put in it, the way you direct the AI where it should go is in the control of the person who owns the software, the company that owns the software, the government who owns the software, and the people who are electing that government. So that's why it's very important, these social media companies. I'm a fan of how they connect people, but when you have such massive access to people and you have almost people addicted to it, then you have to be very careful because it influences the democratic process as well. Let's go back to the human in the loop mm-hmm. and the example that you gave of, we want to have coffee and yes. instead of you reaching out to me and be like, hey, you want to have coffee? And I'm like, yeah, I want to have coffee. How's Wednesday? And you're like, Wednesday's not <laughs> good. Instead we have our boss yeah. do that for yeah. us. One way to look at that is it is not just intermediating, it's replacing some of our our contact and our connection, the amount that we communicate with one another is less. Another way to look at it, it is cut out all of the logistics work and the time that we spend talking to each other, we get to the good stuff, which may be deep philosophical discourse or it may be just like gossiping about, you know, family (laughs) (laughs) stuff. Back to this question of, of what will that intermediation or that assistance 
do to us, to our relationships, multiplied by that scale of, of social media, you know, millions and millions and millions, but maybe using any two people as an example, do you think it, does it make us have, have more intimate relationships because all of the, the logistics have been sort of abstracted away? Were in fact some of like the, the small talk and the, the process communication, was that, you know, the only thing keeping us engaged with one another? <laughs> we don't actually have that much talk. What do you think happens to relationships? It gets complicated, right? And first of all, I noticed you call them bots, which seems kind of cold. <laughs> Even though it's AI. Sorry, sorry. No, but you know, this is the thing. Like, I think that more and more people would have a name for their assistants, their AI assistants. And they would, you would say, so, you know, I'm, like I said, I call mine Zoya. So I don't call her a bot. And so um, they will be talking to each other now if we use it correctly. If we, it, it, we have the time then. So the logistical stuff they take care of, now it's up to us. So let's leave them out of it. Because they can't be blamed for the fact that we have nothing to talk about to each other. But it may be, what's interesting is that I may prefer talking to another AI rather than you. Because I love talking about our history. And in some of these AI agents, you can actually download a library of all the art in the loop and all the discussions about it. And that could be a fabulous discussion with my couple of years, you know? And that's dangerous because in the moment it's gratifying, but in the long run, we get so much more. We, like health, being healthy, has so much longevity, has so much to do with community, that this is the biggest issue with even social media, or this too much instant gratification with AI assistants or AI fans or AI lovers, where we forget that there's, we're biologically, from an evolutionary perspective, we need so much more than the, just the conversation between us. There's relationships, and there's community, and festivals. And I hope we don't use that. Maybe we need to have, that's why we need museums, and festivals, and more social occasions, and vertical farming for senior citizens, because we don't want to talk to just robots at home. And there's something really valuable for our mental health and our emotional well-being. So you're long burning man here. <laughs> yes, I have been. I want to go. Once I'm once my assistant takes all the work for me, <laughs> you will see me there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this is the we've got a good a good lock on the on the on the personal individual level and I, I think a, you know a couple of takeaways about how we you know the, the burden is on us yes. to to yes. make meaning in our relationships. That's the one thing we can't outsource and, and maybe with all of the other logistics outsourced, that burden is even more kind of yeah. clear and stark. And so, you know, we are responsible for our relationships. And that kind of wariness about instant gratification and the civic responsibility that we have, whether it's in, in governance or interpersonally, socially, where, you know, ultimately, like, this, these are the things where we need to be yeah. participating. Let's look at the, the business location. Yes. What does this do? Again, it's very clear work automation. Right? Yes. So a lot of a lot of stuff that you need to used to need a department to do now, maybe just a manager with an AI would be able to do. What about the business to business communication, yeah. the relationships between institutions, or how organization and management and leadership is affected within an institution? What does that look like? Already before these large language models came out, we had already worked with companies, my AI consulting firm, and help them manage their communications through AI, where through their call center with consumers, because there's nothing more frustrating than waiting for people to be in a queue for a long time. So 
communication with your consumer base will increasingly be mediated by artificial intelligence. And only things that require a lot of aesthetic touch points or are complicated emotionally, those questions. People may say, I prefer to speak to a human being. The fact of the matter is we want to think we prefer to speak to him. But I remember a friend of mine at a hotel said that, you know, they have this very chic the hotel, they have this butler service, and he brings you the champagne, and he brings you the fresh fruit, and these millennials come in and they're like, please, you know, get out of our way. We just want to be checked in automatically into a phone, into a room. So people actually don't always value certain kinds of human interaction that they used to. Now, of course, I think that there are other kinds that they do when they get ideas, when they think about strategies, when they feel like they're not wasting time, but letting their creative juices flow. And I think that's where I would say the purpose of AI is to amplify human potential. Yes, work will be automated, but you want to imagine how to write a novel. You want to imagine a new movie. You want to scale your company across different countries. And of course, new problems will arise because of this AI automation. You want to solve that. That's exciting. We love that as humans. And I think that we will get together in a group, although one of the team members will likely be an AI. And we'll say some things, but it'll be not as captivating necessarily. And also, just like the key here is, just like if you said something, I would say, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure. I don't think that would work. When the AI says something, we'll say the same to it. Right now, the issue is, it comes very confidently, and we just believe it. We just say it's smart. But it makes mistakes, because it's trained on a lot of human knowledge, a lot of human writings, a lot of human strategies. But if we took it as a colleague, that we were open to its recommendations, but critical of them as well, and it didn't make sense, that's the kind of co-pilot, man-machine partnership that would make life interesting and fun. And that's what I think we should be we should be aiming for. Not that it completely replaces us or that we're afraid of it and say, no, there are some things it can never do. I think maybe it's just that kind of assistance or even I used to call it assistant. People now call it co-pilot, which is one level up from assistance. The thought partner, the team of people. For how much longer do you think most humans will have the confidence to push back and critique the AI and say, I don't think that's a good idea, or I don't think that makes sense. Like, I think there's still, right now, in ChatGPT, it's still asking, was this a good answer or a bad answer? And we all kind of believe that we know whether it's a good answer or a bad answer. But it's just getting better and better. And I don't know that we're getting much better, you know, at our human cognition. I'm imagining in five years, most people will just assume that the AI is right, and if they disagree or they have a different view, they will default to... I guess that was, you know, that's the better answer. I'm wrong. The AI is right. And yet if we if we program the bots to be kind of like explicitly fallible and say, you know, you know I make mistakes on, you know, sometimes yeah. just to, to give humans that sense of, you know, I got to keep on top of you. You know, <laughs> I, I feel, that feels like we're, it's, it's self-defeating, right? Yeah. So where are we, for most people, I'm sure that there's always going to be some top of the pyramid of expertise. There's going to be people that are just super sharp and super confident and call BS on them. BS on the bots or on their bot by their name. Do so you think most people are just going to kind of learn to go with the flow? I am a believer that there's no such thing as most people because so we're kind of assuming it's the lowest common denominator and it's very elitist in my opinion. I actually think two things. First, 
When we talk about AI systems and we say they won't be wrong, we mean their information will be factual. Whereas I'm talking about creative thinking. I'm talking about strategy. I'm talking about how I should care for my in-laws, you know, or my grandparents. That's a conversation. That's all Yes, value-driven, creative, creativity-driven, even, you know, engineering-driven. I imagine something. Oh, that's cool. You imagine something. I imagine something. It's all about your attitude towards it. And for that, we need to be educated. So my charity, 21st Century Girls, is thinking of putting together a course. We teach AI and coding to girls, and we're going to start to do the metaverse to girls. And now we, over time, we want to teach something on how do you work with ChatGPT or AI assistants or co-pilots. And a lot of that is about us remembering our critical thinking, but also just having confidence. It's about confidence, right? What we're talking is equals to each other. And you may have a better idea, or I may have a better idea. And to retain your subjectivity, your opinion. But when we lose our confidence, we start to dilute that sense of self and confidence, and we don't want our kids to be like that. So it's Information-wise, it would be right most of the time, unless it's biased because of bad data. And you're right, we can fix that. But when it comes to thinking, creating, it's still like something we do together. And we would still have to test it on the market together. It may give me an idea and it bombs with the market, so I want to blame it. But we came up with it together. And I think that's what we need to think about. When you think about chat GPT and lawyers, and you think, it will tell you everything how there was precedence and other people had addressed patent laws. But you could think of something new. You could have an idea. Why not? Who's stopping you? We have lots of neurons. It's not human intelligence. It's another kind of intelligence. If we're always competing with it or comparing ourselves to it, it's a losing game because we are setting ourselves up for failure because we're already doubting ourselves. So why should we doubt ourselves? I'm very confident that if we give anybody even you say all these teenagers are addicted to TikTok or whatever. I don't believe it for a second. They're super smart. They're super creative. They're super capable. Even the senior citizens who are over 70. I don't want to be ageist, sexist, racist. Everybody's capable of working with it and thinking of bringing value to the market or to your own life in an interesting way. And that's my belief, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Love it. Uh, wrapping us up, yes. give us some advice for individuals, yeah. let's say those, you know, a young person that's growing up in, in a whole new world, as well as a piece of advice for a business leader that is confronted with this tremendous change that might you know, disrupt their entire industry, disrupt the way that they work. For each of these profiles, besides, you know, remembering to have confidence in yourself, what's something that you would encourage them all, all to do? And I think it's very interesting that you said remember to have confidence in yourself, because that's an impossible ask. Confidence comes with skills. You, know, you don't have confidence. You build confidence through action. So what is, like as you said, what's the action you should take so that you have the confidence? And so if you're an individual, one of the actions you can take is not be very siloed in your education. If you're a young person, I always say don't just do engineering. Or now people are like, only only do humanities or like seesaw between the two. But do one of both so that you understand how the machine thinks. But at the same time, you have, you can see the colors and the nuance in everyday life and in, in geopolitics and everything else that you're doing and communication, which is so important. And so we must redo our education system. And for parents, 
or for individuals themselves who do not have those kind of education systems right now, we have to make a proactive effort to go out there. So I always say put, put a Google alert on whichever field you like. You can put it for restaurants, NAI, or low NAI, and just let it come to your inbox once a day. And what that does is you see, oh, Harry is uh, a new AI legal assistant, and it can do a lot of precedence research. So let me think for myself now, what would be interesting? What is the, what could go wrong? What's the risk here? How would that free up my time? What does that mean for the Constitution? I mean, we're kind of going back, everybody can be a philosopher, right? Guess what? The market will pay for that. Because the price of this kind of work will go down, but the higher value work will continue to go up. And then for a business, I think you can easily go through the operational efficiency first, through automation. So you're saying, how can I take every single process in my business, and how can I replace it with some form of automation with AI? So for myself, we are an artificial intelligence consulting firm. We have data scientists, we have data engineers, data architects, AI engineers, and strategists. And we're thinking, how can we lower costs and increase time, time of completion of a big solution for our clients using AI? Where should we use it? And I think just that thinking process is very helpful. And that's all you need to do right now. And then have the next meeting and say, okay, now ChatGPT is on the world's data, but it's made it open for us to have enterprise data. So how much will it cost for me and how much for the people I need to hire? to train this kind of model on my own data, and how long will it take, what can I achieve within three months max? Then you test out it works, you do the PL on it, and then you say, okay, this works, now I have four people, I can fire them, or I can reallocate them to something else. Because you've just saved money, but you don't want to let go of people who understand your business, your domain, your customers. So now where can you use those? Then you reassign them to a way to make yourself competitively better. So everybody's automating, then where's your competitive advantage? And therein lies the process. Start from step one, to step two, to step three, then you're ahead of the game. That's what you want to do. Ahead of the game. Yes, always. Uh, so thank you so much for, for talking you. to me. This is fascinating. And I, I hope we get to check in again uh, down the road and, and see where the state of the art is and, uh, and where we all are. Thank you. Thank you for having me, John. I'll, I'll bring my bot. We'll be made. Yes, thank you. <laughs>